Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, Lift and Love community. It is July. I don't know when this will broadcast, but it is storming in Florida. Do you know, Allison, we get a storm every day in Florida? Well, I do because my missionary tells me that it rains buckets like he's never seen. See, and I know you're praying for rain in Utah, so I just wish we could shift some of it. (laughs) Part of Utah is flooding and part of us, we're dying of a drought over here. Isn't that funny? It is. And so I hope everybody's having an amazing summer. I just came back from the Cape. I know um, Allison's going to the beach next week and then getting the kiddies back to school. Summer always goes by so fast. I love summer. I'm still a kid at heart. And I have no kids in school, which is just such a weird position. Right. Because then summer's 365 days for you, which is so fun. We didn't come here to talk about our summer. We have actually a really important topic today where we're talking about, this is um, something I work with my clients about almost exclusively. Um, Where is the comment of like, how do I stay? Meaning how do I stay in this church? And this is such a painful pain point that most LGBTQ families share because you like are like not orthodox, most of, but you're, everything's like, you really believe in everything. And then your child comes out and you go through this cognitive distance that is so painful where you're looking at this community that you've loved your entire life. And you realize this community is causing your child pain. And that's a really hard place to be as a mom. Yeah. And causing you pain intense. Yes. Not only watching your child, which is the worst pain, but, but, but the the conflict in your own heart about what you've learned and this child in front of you. Right. It's, this is painful. This would be probably the number one question I get. Of how do I stay? Yeah. Yeah. And so we really study this to see, because Alice and I are both staying. We're not going anywhere. Like I, one time I said to her, I said, this is our community. Like it is our role to make it better. Mm -hmm. And if we don't stay, who's going to make it better. And so we really have talked about this endlessly to break it down three ways where how we stay, Allison and I stay. Right. Now, before we start, I just want to mention some people can't stay. Right. We understand. And for, um, the, for LGBTQ people, it's just wrenching to stay. And if, I mean, that's the, if they can stay, it's so amazing. It is. We aren't suggesting that people stay. We're talking about how we do it. Right. And so I want to be really clear about that, that we understand that people we give away. right through grace for everybody's journey. And I always believe if somebody's not seeing the pew, it doesn't mean that they're not with us still. Right. Like I still consider them part of our community. And if like, just like Enos and Joseph Smith, they had amazing spiritual 
experiences outside of nature. Like even though you cannot sit in the pew anymore, that doesn't mean we don't love you and that we still feel like you're part of us. Yeah. And we, we hope that one day this is a place that everyone can be. That's right. I feel safe. And that's, that's sort of the goal, right? That's the goal for all of us. I would imagine, I would imagine. So um, one of the good answers that came up, came through our talk with Kate uh, Toronto, which was so interesting. Actually, I spoke to her off. We had uh, a very long lunch and she talked about her study and her kind of what she's learned as she's learned how to manage this kind of conflict in her own heart. And she had studied uh, the civil rights movement Hmm. and came to the understanding of a nonviolent protest, which is such an odd thing to bring into this conversation. (laughs) But if we talk about it in um, one of the really hard things for me is when people say, say violent things. Mm -hmm. And let me describe violent means like it hurts my heart. It tugs, it rips, it pulls. So when people say violent things about my child, so hard for me. And when they say violent things about the gospel that I love, it feels violent. It feels like it's tearing me apart. Right. Um, so that's what this nonviolent protest idea is, is, is um, not standing still in the face of what you consider unfairness or um, a path not healthy for your child or for yourself. You don't have to sit in it. And this is the way to manage it. Right. And I kind of um, think nonviolent protest for us, like what it looks like is you're sitting in really society or Sunday school and somebody says something and you're brave enough to raise your hand. Right. Great example. Rather than sit there and hurt and stew, you say, let me give you something else to think about that. And big on and right. Like, right. That's an interesting um, comment that you've made. And let me give you my perspective. And this is why this is so important. The and part, because you have to give the other person grace for their view and in fact, um, I looked up a study for how effective like nonviolent campaigns are, and they have found over the years of studying them that they're 53% more effective than like being um, controversial or being adversarial when somebody says something that you don't like, but doing it in a nonviolent way to the other people, you're make a change 53% more of the time than if you attack back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was the most interesting that they have found that in a population that has like people who are doing the nonviolent protest, that they only need 3.5% of that population to make real change that can make some real change. And we came up with this word, which um, we feel a lot, which we call it holy agitation. Yes. Isn't that just the greatest word? Like when you're sitting there and you're like, this is not how I understand the gospel. And it's just, it's like the most uncomfortable, like, oh, you're just, you're dying. And I've been through this. I've been through this experience. And uh, I think we all are in this holy agitation. And I think holy agitation also encompasses feelings of um, not even when other people say things, but when you study, like, that doesn't feel right to me. Right. I think that is the spirit saying, hey, 
you might want to study this a little further. Yeah. And, and, and note that the spirit is in it with us, possibly pushing us to study more, to learn more. Right. Yeah. And you're going to come when you are like saying things that somebody might not agree with. And I know this happens to you a lot, Allison, they're come to you and be like, I want to be supportive, but I don't understand how you could think this. Yeah. And I think the <laughs> best the time, right. Right. Like, and so they're, what they don't realizing is that the holy agitation is starting on them because of something you said, but yeah. I love what you do. What do you do when somebody like Instagrams you and says, like, I don't see how you could believe this and still support the church. Yeah. And that one, this took me a little while to get to, but now I say to them, what have you learned in your study of this, you know, of LGBTQ people in the gospel of, you know, the family proclamation? I, I, I kind of feel like I'm not going to, like, I worked hard to get where I am and to have the understanding that I have. And even if I hand it to you, you're not going to understand, but what have you learned in your study and mm-hmm. most of the time, nobody responds back because <laughs> they haven't. They've taken what, right. you know, oftentimes we just take what we hear and we stock it away in our heart and we think that we've solved the problem. And that's when the holy ag- agitation comes and it starts like making it feel not so comfortable as it did when we first started thinking about it or using that particularly. Right. Yeah. And, and And I think this is like the pattern that you need to do or change if you aren't doing that is that when you're feeling that, where are you taking that agitation? Are you taking it to the bishop, the state president, or are you taking it to the Lord? Are you taking it and praying about it and studying it and um, thinking out in your mind? I think the best example of this was with like Nephi and Laman Lemuel, you know, like when he like comes back down from the vision of his vision of the tree and his brother's like, I don't get it. He's like, well, have you asked the Lord? They're like, no, just explain it to us. And they never got a testimony of the dream like he did, right? Because he, he took it to the Lord. He didn't understand everything his father was saying. He felt holy agitated and he took it to the Lord. And so how the first thing really is the nonviolent protests, what we're talking about is like being okay with your holy agitation, like really almost viewing that as that is the Lord working on me and guiding me in helping my community make some positive changes here. Yeah. One of the things I like to do is after I've kind of blown off the steam from an event, when someone said something or raised their hand in church or something and said something awkward or, you know, just frustrating, I like to kind of flip it and think, okay, so there's some, there's a point that I need to be learning about so that when it comes up again, I have an answer. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Have you thought about this? So I'm, and, and I, and I sometimes think about it like, okay, so this, so the Lord needs me to understand that this is in people's minds and then to find ant and what else could be possible about that statement or about that doctrine or that principle. Right. So now how do we protect our children? Let's our LGBTQ children and our children who are uh, protective of their siblings or parent or uncle or whatever. Right. Because a lot of times we want to just change the circumstance and we want to like, okay, we don't want them there. Right. Cause it, they feel it's unsafe, but just like us, we each have a gift. Our children are just as important to be there and have a gift. And if we could teach our children how to handle that conflict, how to have difficult conversations and to create a safe place for them, that is when we empower our children. Right. Okay? And we, we don't want to keep a child I mean, we don't say, you know, things are bad at church. We don't say, oh, let me give you some tips so you'll stay. 
this is if the child is comfortable going to church, you need to arm yeah. them with right. some, with their nonviolent protest kind of, of like their little weapons package, but it's nonviolent, <laughs> right? So we need to teach them first um, that they can't change everybody. Like the people's opinions are people's opinions and they'll exist forever. I mean, I think people's opinions change, but they will never, will never eradicate all bigotry. No racism or all misogyny. We won't. I mean, hopefully we can try to, but it doesn't look like that's going to be possible. So how do we, they handle the conflict both in their hearts and that's happening in front of them? Right. And I think the first thing they need to realize is if somebody says something that makes them feel marginalized or makes them feel less than that comment is nothing about them. It is everything about the person saying it, Mm -hmm. because you think about Christ, he said nothing that marginalized another human being. Okay. Because Christ understood love and he understood how lovability works. And so all we are dealing with imperfect human beings at church Mm -hmm. and to keep reminding our children of that, even though they're adults and they're over you, that does not mean that their faith is greater than you or that they know more about the subject, especially LGBTQ stuff. Like most adults in our church are really behind an understanding of how LGBTQ matters work. And so teaching them about like really loving those people where they're at, but also being brave enough to say, Hey, um, sister Smith, like when you said this in seminary about families and about this, like, this is how I felt like giving our children confidence to be, um, vulnerable with other people and letting them see their pain. Right. And you can role play. Oh, well, your seminary teacher might say something like, well, I have to teach doctrine. Right. So, you know, what would that, what would a response to that look like as a, you know, and as a family, you role play like, well, you know, that doctrine's hard for our family. So we're trying to figure out where we fit in that family or in that doctrine and how, and we're asking the Lord personally, how do we fit as a family in here? And that might be different than other families. So you give the kids the flexibility of not having to buy into the, whatever the seminary teacher is saying, Yes. And that they are able to voice their opinion. It's not, we're never going to change a heart immediately, right? We right. might get some movement or some softness, and sometimes we won't. So I have this friend who's, um, her mother-in-law was a General Relief Society president. And I won't name who it is, but she said that her mother-in-law, when people would say things to her that would be unkind, she'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you said. And they would have to repeat it. So if somebody says something really kind of terrible to your child, right? Then then she would say, "Oh, could you? Could, I didn't understand that. Could you repeat that?" And then they'd repeat it if they had the guts to repeat it in the same way. Mm-hmm. She'd say, "Oh, that's what I thought you said. That was very rude, and that hurt my feelings." And then and they then- would have to respond to that. Right. And I like that the power that that gives you back like that has hurt my feelings right because honestly most of the time the leaders even if they're saying something the the last thing they want to do is hurt your child's feeling or make your child feel marginalized 
And, you know, I have so many of my clients who like this has happened to, but they never even told the teacher or the, because because they were like, there's, there, there's going to be no change. I can't change this, but I really disagree with that. Like, I think the reason your child's in that class or the reason your family's in that ward is to make the change. Right. And that's the the vision, the nonviolent protest is really being that 3.5% to make that holy agitation for everybody else to help them. They're no longer just policies to see like these, the, the, person behind make the story known of why this is painful well and I have a friend another friend whose son was sitting in a seminary class and uh, the seminary teacher said something hurtful and he knew he was sitting next to someone who was gay Mm. so in that situation we have two ways of going about it he he doesn't say anything yeah He, he he talks to the teacher after hey there's kids in this class that are who are gay and this is so painful it hurt me sitting next to or knowing that those hearts were in this room and 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 let's see if we can figure out a different way to to address you know marriage between man and a woman or whatever it is um or you don't say anything and so as a child you feel like you have no power no say and for this child he never went back to church mm-hmm. period uh, because he he felt like his voice wouldn't be heard um, his, you know, his thoughts are, right. yes, but there's no movement in there. And and there is movement. There is movement. The Lord is working yeah. in this area. So we can empower our children to say, Hey, you know, even quietly at the end, or even raise your hand and just say, wow, that's a hard doctrine for our LGBTQ people in this room who we love. Yes. I love that. Really, teach our children to empower their voice and, and that you'll have their back. Yeah, right, like people in the room that there are people in the room, right? Who are hurting that smarts, and let's think about it differently, just like okay. we would with any tricky situation. Okay, and, and I know this is probably the hardest one the nonviolent protest. Like, this is where people are like, I don't want to do it. And I call them their Esther moments where, like, oh, you're made for this, like, stand up. And you get better at this. I know this is hard, even for me still, you know, to, to be, to go against the grain of all the comments you see where the lesson's going and you're like, oh gosh, and then to raise your hand and to change it. But every time I do this, every single time people come to me after and say, thank you. Thank you so much. Right. Like there's people in there thinking what you're thinking, but too afraid to say it. And so learning to grow your muscle and helping your child grow their muscle of being brave and being that holy agitator. Right. Okay. And so let's just really quickly touch on one point for yourself and your family. Um, I like to say travel light. So you keep what serves you and let go of the rest. And I know that that's not a principle that we really have focused on in the gospel, but um, in, in our church culture, but that is definitely the way you need to, as one friend said, drag everything out to the garage and only bring back what serves the family in the moment. And I think the pandemic taught us that, right? Yeah. Like all the fluff of our gospel programs went away. Mm-hmm. And I, everybody I talked to said, having sacrament in my home, having that like has been so powerful. Right. And right. right? So we've learned what really is important through the mm-hmm. pandemic. And when you're struggling, travel light. There's no yep. point putting it all in the backpack and howling it around because there's, it's just too heavy. Take what you need. And travel light and just trust that the Lord will, he'll start adding back and helping you understand those other things when the pain's passed, right? Right. And I view it like for me in those moments that this is my widow's might. Sometimes I could just give a little and I know the Lord like looks at my offering 
And I really have this thought of like, he knows I'm striving and he knows this is all I could give and that's okay. Other people don't understand that I have to say no sometimes, or this is not comfortable, but that's okay. It's between me and the Lord. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. The so that my- leads to number two, to change the narrative from me versus them to, yeah. um, I love these people or the body of Christ. Right. So, okay. I'll tell this story and I hope that I don't, I don't think many people in my new ward are listening, but I came from, um, being in a ward for many, many, many 20, it was two wards that got combined, but they, we'd been in both of them anyway. They're just all our dear friends. Right. So it's the same yeah. ward essentially for 28 years. And I came to a new ward and they have different, um, thoughts and different, it's, you know, it's not different characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little more conservative than my old ward. And I came with so much confidence and, you know, just loved meeting all the new people. And, and I got worn away a couple of comments here and comments there. And I just, I, I told Jenny, I went to church one day and it was just like, I came out of there thinking, I don't know if I can go back. Mm. Um, I was just getting taken down by comments and people's beliefs. And I was like, Oh, where am I? Um, and I spent a week feeling really sorry for myself and I had a pity party and it was awesome. It was actually not very awesome. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed, but, uh, I went back to church the next Sunday and I was like, I am just going to, I'm going back in with my same confidence and love of these people and want to know them and understand, as I say, like, I can't be angry for people who don't know what, what I've learned yet. They Mm. they don't know yet. Right. And it was just such a better experience. I felt more love. You know, I was able to reach out to people because I wasn't so focused on my own issues. Um, This is is hard. This is hard stuff. When people say things, you know, when the people you love, right. Where you're like, I can't believe that came out their mouth. Like to me, like, I'm like, Oh, that means like my child's not safe with this person. And that's what my brain goes to first. And then I have to like, what, what you did is I have to change how I'm talking about that person in my mind, like the narrative of how I, and I need to like say, Oh no, we're all learning together. Like I remember, and I used to think that way. I have to be honest with myself, right? Like I have learned so much and I have to give grace to the, to my ward members to like, okay, they're learning. And the scary part is now you are taught you, I am a teacher with this now and have to go into that role of like, it's not me versus them. We're all on the same team here. We're all a body of Christ. And I have been taught how to love in a higher way. And I need to help others have that, those truths that I have learned. It's like he, the Lord has taught me truths and now it's my time to start sharing them. Right. And so this is why I love the body of Christ. Um, in Corinthians first Corinthians 12, we use the body of Christ to link our LGBTQ people back into the gospel. Um, that's just a, a, a perfect fitting example of how every part of the body is necessary, including our LGBTQ members and their families. So we we talk about this and how can the body work without all of the members? So as I was reading this again on Sunday during the sacrament, I was kind of came across it in a different way that, you know, the first uh, seven verses, whatever, are all about the spiritual gifts were given and they're given to every man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it gets into, so it's more of like, individual people and then it moves into the group okay 
So, so first of all, if we go into First uh, Corinthians ten, it talks about the bread, and as we commune in the, um, we take the sacrament, we commune with the sacrament. Each of the pieces of bread come together as the whole bread, as the body of Christ. So mm, there we've got our first, like parts become the whole, and whole. Mm-hmm is where we are with Christ. And then if you go into 12, it talks about all of these different spiritual gifts and how these different spiritual gifts, we don't have all of them each. Some of us only may have one, some may have many, some may have, you know, but there's these diversity of gifts and that when it comes together, that is the body of Christ. And that's where the wisdom and the, and the goodness of the gospel is. Um, And then it talks about the body specifically, how you can't, you can't just, you know, cut off one part or say that one part's uncomely. And, you know, just like we, we use it to loop our LGBTQ families back into the gospel. We also have to use it to loop those families who are not, um, that haven't had the experiences that we have, that don't have the understanding, that haven't felt God's love for LGBTQ people yet. Yeah. We have to give them the same grace that we're asking for. That's right. We need the pinky. We need the toe. We need the elbow, right? Like, you you know how it is. When you have like one digit not working on your body, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't realize how much I use my thumb, right? Like if your thumb is bandaged. And so like, that is just with all the membership, like we're all needful, we're all needed. And the people who even we're disagreeing with, they're as important to the body of Christ as we are. Yeah. And, and, and the Lord says, and those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, those people that just are so being so unkind right now. Um, upon those, we bestow more abundant honor. Mm. He mean, tells us exactly what to do. Yeah, that is a hard doctrine. No, but like in talking about I, when I talked to Allison after her Sunday school experience, and she was talking about this comment that this person made, and I'm like, okay, so my challenge for you to now is to like find out what's amazing about that person, because we're all we're all nobody's all good or all. Right? She's like, no, but like nobody's angry. I know, but the anger is the disconnection. That's where Satan wins. Satan is trying to shift us like wheat, right? He's trying to separate us. What does the devil mean again? You put that on your Instagram. To divide, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. I learned that on um, what Sunday on Monday. Isn't that just a yeah. complete statement? Perfect one. So yeah. like when we are feeling like um, anger or judgment, that is division. And that is when Satan wins. And so mm-hmm. change that narrative. We have to personally do that. If we want them to give us the same grace where they don't believe what we're saying and to get, like say, okay, that's a different way of looking at, we have to give them the same grace. And that is, that's how families work, right? That is, um, that's really how families work is that you're, in fact, Christ doesn't want us to all agree for on some of these things, like our diversity and our love and how we react to things. That is what makes the body interesting. And, well, and studies show that if, if you have all one thought that you are not as effective in business, if you're, if everybody's of one thought, it's when there's opposing thoughts and thoughts that take you out of the norm. That's when you become a, 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 an effective business model. Right. And like when, when the conversations are more varied like that, that's how it, that's how effectiveness works, which is why I think, you know, in this, in this body of Christ analogy that he, the Lord gives us, he says there should be no schism in the body that the members should have the same care for one another. Like there's really no room to be, I mean, there's, there's always room for the hurt, but right. there should be healing and then coming back to that 
that person um, and treating them as honorable. Right. And building up your tolerance for yeah. having different views. I love it. Okay. So that, we've talked that about the leaders as well, actually. Yeah. Right. Giving grace to everybody. Like mm-hmm. everybody's learning, everybody's striving. That's, that's, that is really my thought most of the time when I'm like, they're learning too. I'm learning, they're learning. And yeah. that helps me give grace and, and feel connected to them. Okay. So we have nonviolent protest. Yep. Or ch- uh, change the narrative. From- and when we're saying change the narrative, change how you're thinking about yeah. the board members. It's not yeah. me versus yeah. them. It's you're all together. And then the last part is staying in the spirit. Yes. And I love this quote where it says, when you remember to stay in spirit, you realize that when one thing appears to be going wrong, you can also clearly see the 10 things that are going right. So good. And it's like, I had one of these moments where I was not in spirit. And it was so funny because Allison and I both had like these moments at church recently, like in the last, in the summer. And we came together, we didn't even talk about for weeks after. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like, like, I feel like the Lord is teaching us this pain. Like I have been in the same ward forever. Like these are my people. And then with COVID, the weird thing, like 20 families moved into our ward, like just a huge amount of influx. And like, in Utah, that's probably not a big deal, but in Florida, that's a big deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in Sunday school. And first of all, I was like, oh my gosh, two hours. This is the longest ever. I felt like a toddler. I'm like, can they stop talking? Can I go home? I was little, and I felt so much anxiety. I felt like I don't know these people. These are not my people. Like I, almost like I was crawling on my skin. I was so uncomfortable. And I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I felt that way. It was such a unique experience for me to feel. And I was totally like, they are like putting it on, other people for my church experience, meaning like I was expecting them to make me feel the spirit. And I call that like, um, emotional adulthood. And when you stop like making the Bishop or the other ward members in charge of your church experience, that is when you become an emotional adult about your church experience. And in fact, I, I almost say it like, stop being the Laurel, like my, my girl's Cause you know, I have five girls and I have three laurels right now or no more, sorry, no more laurels, but the old girls, whatever you're calling them in your ward. And you know, if they're complaining, I'm like, Hey, stop being like the Laurel. Like you have been given, you have been taking so long from this program. It is your time to give. And so are you going to church being a taker or being a giver? And that Sunday I was being a taker. Like, I'm like, they are not doing it right. I do not want to be here. I was not focused. I was totally focused on myself and I was not in spirit. And so I was focusing on everything that was going wrong instead of focusing on like, how can I help others? Like, what can I do to bring more of the spirit and fill Christ and worship him for me and help others worship him? And I was totally being a child in my thinking and in my actions. And my result was I was uncomfortable and I didn't want to be there. I was crawling out of my skin right? And so if you are going to church and it's feeling uncomfortable and like you, these are not your people, then you are not being control of your church experience. You are delegating it to other people to create a comfortable experience for you and a um, impactful experience for you. And that is when you start, take, take back the power. Well, and like you said, you were, are you being a taker or you're being a giver? Like, so that sounds really hard when you're, when you're feeling low to be a giver. But I have to say, so I, I left that meeting low and was walking home and this woman drove up and was like, hey, we want you guys to come to dinner. And, um, you know, it, that just that simple act was like, it refilled my soul. And I knew that the Lord was like, I know you're down. Right. Here's some, here's this good woman. And we went to dinner with them last night and had a great time. And, and these are your people. Yes. These are your people. And you are going to be okay. 
you know, I know this is a hard transition into a new ward and especially with what I do. Right. And, uh, and it was just a good feeling. And if you can be a giver and also look for those moments of those sparkling moments when the Lord's like, I got you, you know, while you have others, I got you. I see your struggle. Yeah. And so I'm going to leave you with this third um, point on staying in spirit is our brains are amazing, amazing machines. And whatever thought that you are thinking when you go to church, your brain will find evidence for that thought. And so that week I was thinking, who are these people? These are not my people. And I found so much evidence for it. I would have won the case. But if you're going into your chapel, into your meetings, saying, these are my people. Like I belong here. This is my community. You are going to find evidence for that. Even when things are painfully said, you're going to find that there is a place for you. And sisters, there is not sister, but brothers too, our community. Like we need the 3.5%. That's all we need. So you are part of that 3.5%. If you leave, the change will not happen as fast. The Lord has like put these things in your heart, put these things in your brain to make changes and to make our community better. And if you leave, our community is less. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can be a light gather, gatherer to that. And and in your calm, nonviolent way, you'll figure out a way to teach what you've learned to other people who have not learned it yet. And that's And that's what the Lord needs us to do. And that's and where you will be power back. Right. You get power back and you will be changed. That is really the true disciple of Christ where, you know, Christ came against people all the time saying things that they were not agreeing with what he was saying, but he stated and he gave them the opportunity to learn and to change and to change their hearts. Christ was a heart changer and still is. And he will continue to change your heart as you teach other people. So good. All right. We love you. Love you. Be strong. Be confident know that you are on the right path with your family and with God. And we love you. Right. You're important part of the body of Christ and you're needed. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love Org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.